It's 70 degrees, so I'm dressed like I live in Alaska. I mean, you guys did it too. I can see you. You're all like in your like cozy clothes. And I mean, we're going to be sweating in an hour. But hey, we had to do it, right? Because you never know. Could be summer again in a minute. Um, I, uh, I missed y'all last week. Um, yeah, I especially missed Destin, getting to see him in person and, and give him a hard time for the imitation that he did of me. Let me just, yeah, it was super good. It was precious and darling, but let me just put this out there. I put an all call out to the powers that be, and that means the people that run AV. And I, I've already collected a little, a nice little pile of videos that I have of him. I have one of him dancing at a wedding, which I think we should save that. Maybe in the last week of the study and show that like as a highlight. Yeah, I've got, I've got power. He doesn't understand. No, I'm so thankful that he came and God, what a, what a cool blessing to be able to hear um, this perspective, his perspective, and, and talk about who is God to me. And um, I got to do a really cool thing. I got to go away with my husband and we got to like retreat. You know, anybody need, anybody need that to just go away, right? Yeah, same, same. Like it was so cool to be able to just be gone for a little while and, and, and retreat. And, and I, w- I wouldn't call it an escape, but, but, I, but I would call it a retreat and it was awesome. Um, I laugh because, you know, I talk about how, you know, I'm dressed for, you know, Alaska weather today, but it was so funny this weekend, we got to meet some heroes of ours. Um, and it was, it was so fun to get to, to meet them. And they're, they're these, these artists, these singers, the Avett brothers, you guys have heard. I play their music in church all the time. Like I'm, I take the opportunity to like share with you my favorite things, but I got to meet them and, and we got to see an art exhibit by one of them. And my husband and I got to meet him and, and I'm just gonna tell you this, this is what's crazy, right? Looking in the mirror when you know you're about to meet your hero is hard, right? I'm like, what am I going to wear? What am I going to, okay, I got to wear this. Okay, am I going to wear, how am I going to fix my hair? How am I going to do all the things? Looking in a mirror can be difficult, right? When you're a little nervous about what you're about to encounter. And that is about how I felt this week when I hit this, this psalm, this lesson. Because I felt like um, I was looking in a mirror because see, the things that David's gonna talk to us about today in the Psalm that we're gonna cover are things that I feel like I've been walking through the last few years. And I know that there's more to come. And I know that um, I'm not, I haven't closed the door on those things, but it felt very um, real to me. Have you had those moments in the Psalms where you feel like you're looking in a mirror and it's hard, right? Well, um, this was not my plan. I love when God does that. I do not love when God does that. My plan was not to talk about Psalm 55. By the way, that's what we're gonna talk about. Psalm 55, so if you have a Bible, go ahead and open it up. But, but he changed the plan. Does he do that to you? Changed the plan on me. Um, he changed the plan on me at the last minute. And, and I know that there's a reason for that. Maybe it's just for me. Maybe it's just for me to look in that mirror and, and, and see what he has to show me about my life and, and my world. But um, this week in your lesson, I, I talked about my dog, Sam, remember? The slobber fest that goes on, that goes on the window. And I, I thought about it would be really precious and darling if I took a picture of my window. Currently at this moment, it still looks just like that. Hard to see through, but I know it's outside. Um, but that's what this all feels like to me. It feels like this whole lesson had a heaviness to it. And I don't know if you felt it, um, not a downer, but a heaviness, right? Like, like a reality, like, okay, quit being cute and putting on lipstick and be, but it was like, get real, we're real. We got no makeup on, we're in our pajamas, we're real right now. And it was him talking about um, this life that he was living and these things that he was wrestling with. And, and, and that's where we're gonna go today in Psalm 55. And so 
Um, I want to share with you a little bit about this psalm and, and where where scholars believe David was at his life when he wrote this. Um, also some thoughts about it before we move into it. I heard, um, well, I read this one commentary and I thought this was such, um, this kind of summed up the entire talk today for me. It's, this is what this one commentary said in describing Psalm 55, okay? This prayer, the prayer's most unique feature is the abrupt change in thought that gives an uneven, disjointed, complex structure and places the hearer, that's us, of the psalm within, get this, the emotional roller coaster that is suffering. Anybody, that sounds familiar, right? We've ridden the roller coaster, right? If you're not on it right now, someone in your home, someone in your life probably is, right? The emotional roller coaster of suffering. I thought that's so perfect. Well, in this particular psalm, the, the suffering that David is encountering is betrayal. He's, he's probably on the run from Absalom. Remember, we talked a little bit about him. That's his son who was seeking to take over the throne, but not just take over the throne. He was looking to kill his dad. And then also um, he had this, he had this um, advisor, Ahithophel is that guy's name. And that was his trusted advisor. And you think like as a king, you know, your trusted advisor, they like know everything, right? They're like your, your guy. And they were both conspiring against David to kill him. And, and the thing that's interesting to me is as you read through the background and, and what we're seeing, the betrayal and how he's going to talk, you realize something real quickly, right? You realize that he's not just being betrayed by an enemy. He's being betrayed by someone close and dear, right? That's the heartbreaking part. I mean, everybody endures different periods of our lives where we have betrayal. But if, if you have walked in this place of suffering, where it's the person that you let in, like, you know, your person, and they betrayed you, like that, that takes, brings a whole new level of suffering, doesn't it? In verses 12 through 14, I'm not going to go into the detail there, but he gives us some clues about the relationship with the person that he was betrayed by, doesn't he? In verse um, 12 through 14, he says, he says this, he said, this person is not an enemy. This person was not an adversary. And you know what I hear when I hear that? I think that it's someone that he leaned on and that he trusted. He goes on to say, he's not, he, you were my equal. Meaning this person is his peer. This person is doing life with him, you know, right alongside him, right in the middle of what he's doing says, this person was my companion, my familiar friend. To me, that says that this person shared tough times with him and that they regularly spent time together and he probably took counsel from this person. Sweet counsel together is a phrase that he uses when he talks about this person. And I see that as that they got to worship God together. So maybe in the good times, you know, maybe there was amazing things happening and, and they were together in that. I don't know. And then he says, and this one really gets me, that they were walking in God's house in a throng. They experienced faith together. I mean, that's like, that's deeper than just hanging out at Starbucks, right? Like that, that's big, like talks and thoughts and tears and laughs and all in the midst of this overshadowing idea that there's a God who's bigger than all of it. And this is the person that betrayed him? You know, like I read that and I'm like, that seems ridiculous. Like, how does that happen? And then I think, yeah, it happens all the time. And, and I, hate, I hate to say that I have personal experience with this, but I do. And it's been a couple of years we've been working through some of this. And it's like, I'm reading David's words and it's like I'm looking in the mirror. 
and I see the, the pain and the struggle, and, and, and it's hard to read. But the beauty of it is that we have that gift, right? That the Bible isn't just like this book that's like all these perfect people that have these perfect stories that aren't real. No, it's us. It's like our mirror. Well, I, I, I read this quote, and I thought this was just so true about David talking about his betrayer. He says this, we rarely give our enemies enough latitude to really hurt us. Think about that for a minute. You keep your enemies at a distance, don't you? I mean, those, those are the people that it's hard for them to really get in to the armor. They can hurl insults and they can stand in our way and they can even inflict pain. But we always have our guard up against our enemies. But with our friends and our family, we let those through the gates, don't we? that we let them inside the locked doors into the most vulnerable places. And too often those that we let that near in love leverage precious trust to serve themselves at our expense and they betray us. This is what David's talking about. It, these words are not to be taken lightly. He's had a precious friendship and a precious trust that's been broken. I, I, I don't know. I don't know how betrayal looks to you. Maybe it looks like a husband who abandons, maybe it looks like coworkers who lie and cheat. Maybe it looks like friends who gossip about your struggles. Maybe it looks like family members who destroy relationships. Maybe it looks like a child whose destructive decisions are breaking your family apart. Maybe it's a friend or a family who disappears when we need them the very most. Maybe it's a parent whose wounds have left scars that you're still wrestling with. I don't know. But I suspect that you understand this feeling that David's talking about. You know, I had a really um, cool slash terrible discussion, not terrible, awesome discussion with my kid when we got back home from our retreat. You know, like we, we arrive, the plane comes in, we get there. She, we're sitting in the living room. She wants to break down what she's been doing all weekend. We were talking about what we've been doing. And like in that moment, I'm so tired and jet lagged and all the things. I'm like, I'm not ready to parent. I have, I'm not ready to put that hat back on. And she sits down with us and it was truly one of the coolest moments I've had with her. And she said, I'm struggling with my faith and I'm struggling with dealing with a God who lets these things happen to people. And I'm struggling with the fact that God loves us so much that he sent his son, but there are people that are marginalized and there are people that are struggling and I don't know what to do with that God. And I'm like, dude, I can't parent this right now. I just got off a plane. But what a gift, right? Like I told her, I said, I, I get you. I don't know, I don't know either. I think she wanted me to have answers. But I don't have answers, right? Amen. There's times when we go through these things and we just do not. And, and I feel that David is with us in that. I feel like David is, is helping us understand that he feels the same way. You know, she may not realize that some of those things are betrayal. Some of those things that she's talking about are grief, their anguish, their physical pain, their diagnosis, their depression, their death, their divorce. There's stagnancy or boredom, there's anger and there's fury, there's doubt and confusion, there's anxiety and blame and mistrust and hopelessness. And all of these things we all encounter, don't we? And we still have to face a God and say, I do not understand. It was so cool to sit with my daughter before I was sitting down to write this because I thought, that's, that's all of us. That's, I'm looking in a mirror right now too with her. Hard questions. 
But can we just say, like, I looked her in the eye and I said, I wish I had all the answers, but God is bigger than my head. God is bigger than my heart. God knows everything you're feeling and thinking, and he loves you, and he's going to show himself to you. And I could say that with truth and honesty. I could say that because I've encountered that. I hope you have too. But, but I think when I go through this, I, I told her, I go, you know, the cool thing is I'm reading the words of David, this king from bazillions of years ago, that, that, that apply, that, that are exactly the same things that we're struggling with. And he talks about it in this psalm and gives ways for us to try to approach our brokenness in the midst of our questions. So David's brokenness. I, 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 um, I, you know, was on my little retreat. So of course, what did I do? I spent a lot of time on Instagram. Isn't that what we all do when we go away? <laughs> it's like, oh, let's take this picture in the fall, everything, everything became about Instagram in that moment. Then I come back here and I'm like, what was I doing? I was just in another world. But I, I will say this, um, in the midst of that cool, awesome retreat, I, I following along, I don't know if you do this, but there's some people that from whatever reason, friends of friends, I begin to follow their stories. And there's this one woman that I'm following her story on Instagram, and she's a believer. And her daughter had an accident, a really unfortunate, just a fluky, weird, like, seven-year-old playing in the yard, fallen, hit her head, and now they are in a different world. And and I, I, I don't know why. Sometimes I just, I just, um, here's what I love about her story is that she is, this is where social media can be beautiful thing. Amen. She is being so real about the journey that she is on and the doubts that she's having and the struggles that she's having with her new story with her child. So real. And she said something the other day in her story that, that stuck with me and, and I it stuck with me so much. I wrote it in my Bible study homework. I wrote it in my Bible. And then I thought I should say it here. This is what she said. She said, I know who you say you are, and I, I believe it, but right now it doesn't feel true. And I thought, oh, what a faith. Not shame on her for doubting. I thought, what a faith to be able to face the God of the universe and say, I am really having a hard time believing this right now. And that's what I think about David's brokenness. That's what I think about about my brokenness, about your brokenness, is it's okay to say to him, this doesn't feel true right now. David's words, he does five different things in the midst of moving through his brokenness, and we're going to run through them, and, and then I'm going to read a little thing and wrap up and let you go um, hang out with your best friends and talk about these psalms. But I felt like it was just cool how um, David chooses this pain and this struggle, but he also chooses to give us um, instruction in the midst of it, you know? He stops and thinks, I, I have to say that these are the things I've learned and these are the ways that you can walk through it. And so I wanna share those five things with you guys. Um, and I'm gonna go through a little bit of Psalm 55, not the whole thing, and I'll let you guys talk about it in your homework. But the first thing I wanted to share that David um, gives us, a gift that he gives us about moving through the struggles and the brokenness is in verses one and two, he basically tells us this, that we can cry out, that we can cry out. He says, give ear to my prayer, O God, and hide not yourself from my plea for mercy. Attend to me and answer me. I am restless in my complaint and I moan. Hear me, attend to me, answer me. This is who I am. This is where I am. I am restless and I am moaning and I don't understand. In the midst of betrayal, in the midst of brokenness, we can be overwhelmed, right? Overwhelmed by it. 
we see that language over and over through the Psalms about the waves crashing over and that I'm hiding and I need a refuge and I need your wings and I, I need you to hem me in. We see the language and it's familiar, right? Familiar. It can destroy our trust in other people when it is betrayal. It can make us feel alone or exposed or vulnerable. But this is what I love about David is that David knows that he can call out to a God who says, you know what, me too, me too. And here's, here's what I mean by that. Like, I love this. Th- that was wrong, strike that. I don't love this. This makes me sad. But I love that I have a savior that understands me, that I can sit up here and I can cry to you and I can look in the mirror and I can be sad and, and I can look in the face of my daughter and tell her there's things I don't understand, but I have a God who understands me. I have a God who, who Jesus was betrayed the last night of his life um, by, by two, we talked about that, by Peter and by Judas, I, that, that he had brothers, guys, the, the the guys that he grew up in the house with that didn't believe that he was the deity until he came back and showed himself to them. Wow, right? That I can believe in a God who loves his friend Lazarus so much, even though he is fully God and he can snap his God fingers and Lazarus cannot even have to go to the grave. He knows the pain and suffering of Lazarus's family and he weeps with them because he knows. He says, me too, I get it, me too. I um. We got to trust that God. You know, I, I, uh, I have, we all have stories, right? And if you've been in Bible study before, sometimes my story comes up. And one big part, not the whole part, just part of my story is, is hard. It's difficult to talk about. But here's what I think is so amazing about my story um, is that God continues to use it in a me too kind of way, you know. Um, just a couple weeks ago, I was sitting in church and I got a text, which is awesome to get a text in the middle of church. Also, what am I doing with my phone out? I don't even know. There's a million problems with that whole sentence. But I get a text, and it's from one of our pastors. And he says to me, are you available to talk to a woman who's in the prayer room right after the service? And you know what? I knew. I know in that moment because my pastor knows my story. And he knows my, my One of the first Sundays I was ever here at this church, um, we did a thing where we wrote out some of our story and talked about how we wanted to use it. And I'll never forget it because I said, if God won't use my story, then I don't get to see a why in why it happened. And so when I was 15, this is my story. When I was 15, I I went away to camp, summer camp, young life camp for the best week of my life. And two days into that, I got a message that my dad died and then I got home and found out my dad had, had died by suicide. And so not only did I lose him, there's this whole other thing that comes with suicide and I'm not minimizing any other kind of death or illness or any tragic thing, but there's, a, there's another layer that comes with that and that's shame and struggle and question, and all these things, right? And, and so 15 year old kid, I come back home to my new reality and everything changed. Every, every part of my life changed from that moment on. It's kind of like that timeline moment, right? Where you have everything before and everything after. But this is the beauty is God had already captured my heart six months before at camp, at ski camp, which no one accepts Jesus at ski camp. I always laugh because I'm like, I did because God knew what was coming and I didn't. 
And so he took me through this journey and continues to take me through this journey. I will never pretend like it's not over, but back to the text. So get the text and I know what it is. It's about someone who suffered some sort of suicide loss. And I knew it because I, I'm, I'm open to that. And so I got to go sit with this woman who had just gotten the same news that I got when I was 15. And I, I'm looking her in the eyes and you know the, the power of it was I didn't understand where she was. I didn't know her father. I didn't know her family. I didn't know her faith background. I knew nothing, but I knew this, me too. I'm, me too. I've been there. And I don't know every bit of it, but I've been there. And you know what? She looked me in the face and she said this, you too? I'm like, you're not alone. You have a God that loves you so much that when you cry out to him, that he brings someone, sometimes with skin on, to look at you and say, me too. And this, I think, is what David is saying, is we cry out to a God who says that to us, me too. I love that. I love that he is that God to us, guys. Well, me too. There's anguish. There's pain. But he is in it with us. The second thing I see that David says, and um, he goes into, well, verses three through like five, he starts complaining about the, um, the betrayer, right? He gets us some specifics and we're gonna move past that for the sake of time. But the second thing that I see is that in verses six through eight, he cries out for retreat, doesn't he? He wants to retreat. And so I see that as David saying, you know, that's not all bad. In your homework, we talked about it as an escape. David was trying to give himself an escape plan. How do I get away from this? But I wanna... I want to just shift that just a little bit. I want to reframe it just a little bit. We want escape, but I think often God wants us to retreat. Think about it. There's a difference. So what do I want to do in the midst of struggle, in the midst of all this stuff and betrayal and pain and all the things? I just want to go away and be gone, and, and I don't want to deal with it, and I don't want to think about it. But I would challenge you to think that maybe taking a step back to process, to recover, to repair, to prepare, to forgive, maybe that's okay. David uses these words and I love these words because I, I feel these words, right? When you think about your struggle, you've probably felt these words and maybe not said it this way, but now you can. And I say, he says in verse six, oh, that I had wings like a dove, I would fly away and I would be at rest. Verse seven, yes, I would wander far away and I would lodge, I would lodge in the wilderness. I would hurry to find shelter from the raging wind and the tempest. I love that. He's being so clear about what he wants. He just wants to retreat. He just wants to be gone. I, I thought, what is the difference? Honestly, what is the difference between a retreat and an escape? If I'm saying that, that God doesn't want us to escape the things that he allows, and so don't miss the fact that he may not necessarily take his big God hand and cause some of these things, but he most certainly allows them. That is a hard truth for us to understand. What's the difference between a retreat and an escape? I sat down and just wrote it for me. For me, it's this. A retreat is when I lean into him. An escape is when I run from him. A retreat is when I cry out in despair with him, with this me to God that says, I get it. I see you. I know you. But a, an escape is when I go silent. I don't want to talk to him. A retreat is when I'm seeking repair. An escape is when I'm avoiding pain. Because isn't repair, oftentimes, don't you find, 
when we're trying to repair or change or, or do something maybe that God has planned for us, it hurts, right? Like change is painful. It's not easy. Seek repair. A retreat is, is I try to find forgiveness and escape as I grow bitterness. Anybody? Don't raise your hand. I, I should raise my hand because I've been there. A retreat is when you move through something. You move through the anguish, but you don't pitch tent and camp. But an escape is when all I'm doing is running to the hopeless places. And I'm just going to stay there because it's easier than having to face the hard things that I have to do. That's an escape. There's a difference. You know, uh, the last couple years have, have, have been a weird couple years in my house been weird. Um, I kind of, I kind of, I, I think I escaped some, I kind of fell back a little bit and kind of hid out a little bit. And, and so this section was for me. I don't know if it's for you, but it was for me, for me to ask myself, like, well, when did the escape turn to the retreat? Because there was a moment for me that I quit just wallowing in all the circumstances that God was allowing in our lives, in our house. I, I, I was, there was a moment where I finally thought, I can't do this. I cannot just wallow in this. I can't, because running from it, it's, it goes with you, amen? It doesn't go away. It just makes me feel like I don't have to look you in the face and tell you I'm fine when I'm not fine. It's, it's just being hidden from, not hidden in him. And so there was a turning point where I kind of I kind of got mad at God, I'm not going to lie. I kind of yelled at some things to him and I said, "You know, this is not what I had planned." And he's like, "Yeah, I, I get it. Me too, right? Like he didn't have planned for me to go live and, and wallow in the pain of the things and the betrayals and the illnesses and the all the the things that were happening that just felt overwhelming. Have you been there under the pile and the pile just keeps growing and you're like, I just want to hide. Well, it was a moment. It was like a breaking point where I was like, enough is enough. This is not working. I need you. I'm leaning into you. I don't know what that means. And you know what was cool? This sounds so like mystical and mysterious and everything, but I'm telling you because I've lived this. Little by little, it was like I had this brick wall and he just kind of chipped it down little by little. It was like every day I kind of just leaned into him a little more like, okay, maybe I can face people today. Maybe I can go to lunch with a friend and not cry my all, all the way through it. Maybe, maybe today's the day. And it was like little by little bricks just fell. And then finally one day I was like, dude, I'm, I'm a, none of the circumstances changed. The struggles are still there and the aftermath of a lot of those things are still there. But all of a sudden I could stand up. All of a sudden I, I, could, I could put my face on and go to lunch with somebody and laugh again. Like it was just like, but did he change all the circumstances? Did he wipe all that out? Did he make everything make sense? Did he reconcile the relationship with the person that betrayed us? No, he didn't do that and that's ongoing. But what he did do is say, I'm here with you. Lean into me, don't run from me. Cry out, retreat. But then also the third thing, which was kind of funny when I saw this, is he, he basically says, be mad. Be mad, it's okay. Be honest about it. I love that we have a God that can handle our real thoughts, our real sorrow, our real fear, our real anger. Be angry, but don't let it control you, Chris. Be angry, 
but move through it in a healthy way. In verses 9 and 15, David gives us some real, like, graphic things that he wants to happen to his enemies, which I, I love it because that's, his, that's where he was. I've been there. Some of those things, I've, I don't want you to look back in my journal and see what I've written. Amen? But this is what David is doing is he's angry, but it's, he's doing it in an honest way before the Lord. In Ephesians 4, 26 through 27, Paul um, reminds us, be angry and do not sin. Do not let the sun go down on your anger and give no opportunity to the devil. Meaning you're giving opportunity to the enemy when you let your entire life be coated in this anger and this bitterness. Amen. That's just more power for him. That doesn't make my betrayer feel sorry. That doesn't make um, people who I believe owe me an apology apologize to me. It doesn't change my quality of life. All it does is it encapsulates me in this darkness. Be angry, but don't let it control you. The enemy, you know, is looking for ways to exploit our pain and struggle. He's, he's looking for that, guys. Don't fool yourself. Like, like when you think you're hiding, when you think you're escaping, that's the enemy just going, yeah, let me build another brick wall around you. That's the enemy trying to isolate us. He wants to say these things to us. Have you heard these things whispered in your ear? Have you heard this? God isn't just. He isn't fair. Or he wouldn't have let that happen to you. That's not God. And, and I, I speak from experience here because from 15-year-old Chris on to not 15-year-old Chris, I've heard those whispers in my ear and I've believed them. It's, it's how, you know, today it, the enemy works even to take Christians to betray us, right? Even, even people that you think you're sitting shoulder to shoulder singing kumbaya together, they're sometimes the ones that are, that are betraying you the worst. And, and the enemy wants to do that. So he's going to target a weak spot or a place that, um, that we have a complaint. He's going to find the place that's going to be weak and he's going to dive in and attack. He's going to tempt us to doubt the goodness of God he's going to get us to try and doubt whether God is even listening. He's going to get us to ask questions um, like that have us pondering God if he's just all the time. I don't know if you've been there. If you haven't, you probably will be because that's honest. That's real. Tell him, be honest with him, just like David. God can handle it. I think some, that's some of the best theology I've ever gotten. When I've had issues, you know, over the years with the why of things that have occurred in my life and continue to occur in my life, I will have wise, wise counsel come up to me and say, just tell God he can handle it. He's God. It sounds real simple, but it's real true. Well, the fourth thing that David shows us in the midst of Psalm 55 is he tells us to take cover. In verses 16 and 18, listen to this for just a minute. He says, but I call to God and the Lord will save me evening and morning and noon. I utter my complaints and my moans and he hears my voice. He redeems my soul in safety from the battle that I wage for many are arrayed against me. You know, David says, but I call to God. In the midst of all the things he's just said about how angry he is and how this person has infiltrated his personal private structure and has come in and betrayed him and messed with his world, he says, but I call to God. Don't give up when it's crashing in. I don't give up when things are overwhelming me. I do not give up when those enemies are surrounding me. I do not give up when I don't get answers. 
I do not give up when I don't get a why. You know, um, that is, that's the, I think, I don't know if I'd say the hardest, one of the hardest things about what I've endured with my dad, that part of my life, has been the why. You know, he was a believer, strong believer, amazing man. Um, I wrestle with that, right? Like you guys, I know you do. We all do. It's okay, you can say it. It, it was, he does not get mad at us for that. I think he kind of loves it, if I'm being honest. One of my favorite authors said this one time, and it stuck with me. Ken Geyer is his name. And he said, in times of upheaval, a voice from heaven says, be still and know that I am God. It doesn't say be still and know why. In a distant day, the gradual sacrament of understanding may be offered to us. Here's what I would say to you. And you take cover in a God who loves you so much that he gives you me too moments where you can share with other people. I got to sit in the prayer room on the floor with a broken woman just starting her journey of that. And you know what was so amazing to me? It was a little, little bit of the why for me. It's like God just takes my story sometimes and it hurts. And I'm telling you, when I have to do that, get to do that, it takes me back there. Have you been there? Like where you, where you, you go back to that place and, and you can't not. But in that moment, I get a little bit of the why. It's like God going, see, this is why. She needed you. She needed your words today. I needed to use your story today. And then I get to buckle up and hold on and see what's next, right? Sometimes we just have to be still and know. Take cover well, the fifth thing that David leads us to, and, and I love this, and this is one of those that I've, I've, I have written on my hand before, a, well, a lot of times, in a Sharpie. Leave it. Leave it. Verse 22, you know, we love, we love this verse because it's going to be more upbeat than the rest of this thing has been, right? No, not really. Uh, verse 22 goes like this, and it's one you probably recognize and you probably have clinged to at different times in your life. I know I have, but you, oh God, will cast them down. I'm sorry, verse 22, cast your burden on the Lord and he will sustain you. He will never permit the righteous to be moved. Cast your burdens on him. You know, interestingly, um, we studied that word burden and loads and you guys are all gonna get all weird about it, trust me, in your homework. It's fun. The discussion groups have been interesting to hear how you guys navigated that. But I will tell you this, this is kind of fascinating. The use of this word here is actually a different Hebrew word than the one you see in, in Psalm 68. I think that's where it was. The word here, burden, is actually Yahav, and it's Y-E-H-A-B. And here's what's crazy about it. It means that which was given, that which was given. So that's David using his language to take us to a new place. He's saying this essentially, his words are gonna challenge us because when times are good, I can say it came from the Lord, amen? David's challenging us with something He's saying sometimes when pad, times are bad, it came from the Lord. That's hard as believers, isn't it? Like we want to tell all of our friends that don't believe that Jesus is the one true God. We, we want to be able to tell them that God only gives the good stuff and he doesn't give the bad stuff. Well, you know what? I'm a walking example of the times that he lets the bad stuff happen and sometimes he causes the bad stuff to happen. Amen. Because maybe in the through, in the going through, he's up to something. 
maybe that's the only way he's going to create in me what he needs to create in me so that I can sit on the floor with a broken person and share Jesus with her from a place of me too. I don't know, but I feel like David wants us to know that that word is different. 1 Peter 5, 7 is one of our favorites, right? Cast all your anxieties on him because he cares for you. Matthew eleven twenty eight 28 through 30, come to me all who labor and are heavy laden and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me for I am gentle and lowly in heart and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Listen, I think God has been telling me for the last few years, I need to trust him, not me. That's, that's what I feel like the moral of the story is. And I feel like David's saying the same thing. Do you? I have to trust him. I have to leave it. When we say, it's so funny. We're so funny. Guys, you guys, we're all, let's be real. We're so funny. We're like, I'm going to cast all my burdens and I'm going to set them at the throne. I'm going to leave them at the throne and I'm going to leave them. And then I'm going to come back the next day and I'm going to pick them back up and I'm going to put them back on like a crossbody purse that cannot be lifted off of my shoulders. Right? We do it every day. I do it every day. But he doesn't say cast all your worries and, da, 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 and then go pick them up the next day when you're a little stronger and you've had some coffee and you can handle it. No, he says cast them. Leave them. Leave it. Write it on your hand. Leave it every day. I want to leave it. I think David wants us to know that too. You know, a couple years ago, um, I've talked to you guys before about my kid and, and his arm and his, his body got real broken in a mountain bike accident. And it's so crazy. Like this is where God go, just does God show off stuff. I'm like, you are showing off again. We're on our little retreat, our little time away. And like I told you, when, when you're on a retreat in the beautiful mountains of Asheville, North Carolina, what do you do? You get on your phone a lot, stupid. Okay, so I'm on Time Hop. Anybody have that app? Get it, it's good. So all it does is it takes you back like, this is what was happening a year ago. This is what you posted, or these are your pictures. Or this is two years ago, three years ago, whatever, all these years ago. And so I'm flipping through. I'm like, this is fun. I'm flipping through. And I looked and I was like, two years ago today was the day that he got broken. And that, that moment, I was like, I wasn't, I was like, well, let's just see what I'm, I'm like, oh no, goodness, it's been two years. But you know what it did? It took me back. And then I got to go here and it took me back. And I thought this, I thought, um, when my kid was all broken in pieces and stuff and the surgeons had to kind of put him back together and then we had to face really difficult things and, and college semesters lost and, and, and infections that could have been real, real bad and just a lot of things that were difficult. You know what? I thought, isn't it funny how I had a plan of what I wanted to happen in his life, you know, my, my kid's life. I had this vision of what it would be. And in that moment, everything changed and... I knew what I wanted to happen, but ultimately I had to leave it to the doctor to deal with, right? The physical part of it. I couldn't do that myself, but I recognized that. And, and I did try to take it back a few times. I'm not gonna lie. I had a lot of opinions. The doctor loved me. <laughs> even when I disagreed, even when I was in agony, even when I thought I knew best, even when I wanted a rescue for my kid, I had to just leave it and I had to let the doctor deal with it. And I feel like that is the biggest way to trust, right? To leave it, to leave it at the throne and walk away and go, okay, I can't, I can't put the titanium plate in there, God. You gotta do this. You gotta repair this thing that is 
irreparable. You've got to take this relationship that is impossible and make it possible. And that's what he does. I'll tell you, um, I'm sorry. I, um, this was a rough one for me, but I also know that it was maybe what we needed. I don't know. Um, I feel like we can, through the brokenness, that we can cry out, we can retreat, we can be mad, and then we can take cover in him and then we can leave it. We can listen to David and see that he's lived a life where he is sitting on the floor with us right now and saying, me too. I've been there too. Trust me on this. This is how you want to approach it. I'm going to close this time with you guys by reading from um, one of my favorite books ever. And this is the one that my dog decided to participate in decorating the cover. It's in some pieces. Somebody in the, in the evening class said, should we get you a new book? I'm like, no way, man. This is the best. This is how they're supposed to look, right? Uh, it's my favorite part of this book. And it's, it's this part that he wrote about moving through suffering. And I just thought it would be a perfect way to end our time. And then I'm going to pray and you guys can take off. So just listen with me. Um, at these words, and, and I hope that they mean something to you like they do to me. The author is um, Jim Branch, and he's talking to God about his struggles, and, and this is how he approaches the God, the God of the universe. He says this, you let it happen. This riding over our heads, whoever or whatever that may have been, you didn't cause it, but you didn't stop it. I know it doesn't happen every day, but I've seen you spring into action and miraculously come to someone's aid or defense. I've seen you come to protect or deliver, and yet for some reason, in this case, you did not. You allowed it. Does that mean that you sat idly by and you watched? Or does it mean that although the brokenness of this world was its cause, that you are big enough to bring beauty out of the tragedy? You saw it coming and you let it stand because of what you knew it would do within me. You knew that the groaning it would produce would have an effect on me like nothing else could or would. So where exactly were you when all of this was going on? When I was going through the fire, when I was consumed by the agonizing flames of grief and sadness and mourning and pain, were you with me in some mysteriously hidden way? that I was not able to completely comprehend at the time? Were you in the midst of the fire with me, shielding me from the fury of the flames? Were you in the middle of the raging currents beside me, holding and sustaining me, keeping me afloat? Did it break your heart to have to watch this riding over me unfold? To know the depths of the pain that I was going through and not intervene? how hard that must have been for you. In the words of Gerald May, there is no way out, but only through. Something deep and wonderful happens in the going through. So we must resist the urge to provide an escape, if that were even possible, because the struggle and the groaning and the grief and the pain is the very thing that is able to do a beautiful work in us. All there is for us to do is trust. Trust that God is really in control and trust that God really is up to something in spite of all appearances. And trust that God really is big enough to sustain me, to comfort me, to deliver me, to heal me, and to ultimately transform me. Trust that through the fire and through the water lies a place of abundance, 
maybe he really is up to something. I have lived it. I have seen it. But it doesn't make it easier. Amen. In the middle of my things now, it's still not easy. But I do know that faith is remembering and I can trust him. And you can trust him too. And David could trust him too. I'm going to pray. And then we're going to be dismissed, Lord. You are big enough um, to bring beauty out of the ugly, ugly tragedies. You're big enough, God. And even when you see it coming and even when you let it happen, even when it doesn't feel true and even when you don't feel near, remind us that we can know that you are who you say you are, God. We love you even when you feel far because we know that you aren't. God, show us today the places that we need to lean into you. Show us today the places that we need to take refuge in you, not hide from you. Show us the places today, God, in our lives that we are trying to escape instead of retreat, God. And we beg for you to hear us and get real with each of us and remind us that you understand everything. You are me too, God. Thank you. I thank you that you sent your son to live the life that we should have lived, but he died the death that we should have died. I can't even understand it, God, but thank you. And God, I thank you for all these women that are in this room today with me and those watching online and listening online. Lord, we thank you that we get to do this together and that we can sit on the floor to each, with each other and look each other in the faces and say, I understand, I get you, I see you, and I'm here. So God, show us how to be that person. In Jesus' name, amen.